0: Hey, bowlers, Bowling This Month is back. Bowling This Month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at BowlingThisMonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining me on the above180.com podcast is Joe Sawinski. Joe is a USBC Gold Certified Coach. He's also the Director of Bowling at Lincoln Memorial University. You want to find out more about Joe, check out bowlingknowledge.info. That's bowlingknowledge.info. You can also find Joe's stuff at BowlingThisMonth.com. Lots of great articles there. So with all that said, Joe, thanks for joining me again on the
1: Above180.com podcast. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to talking to you.
0: All right, Joe. Well, I have to tell you, I came across a great piece on BowlingThisMonth.com talking about the, the way a bowler gets a elite release. This was something that you you wrote the article, something you're very passionate about and helping bowlers to get – that right release and get their body probably more importantly in the right position. So let's begin with square one, frankly, you know, and and talk about what is probably one of the biggest misconceptions people have about releases.
1: Well, I think the number one misconception about a good release is sort of what happens from the point that the ball enters in at the end of the downswing. And then what happens from that point on, for example, I like to, teach people that they need to start thinking in more three dimensions you have for example lateral movement that could possibly happen in the release to follow through movement there's a vertical motion that could happen and there's a horizontal motion that can happen think of that as an xyz where we want the elbow to go in front of the knee and be very long Uh, simply put if your hand travels on a line for a longer distance One, you'll have more separation between your fingers and thumb, and you'll also be more accurate. I mean, when I tell people that, it's pretty straightforward. They, You know, you would say, is it better to have your fingers go long or your fingers to be short in the release in regard to being more accurate? And everybody quickly understands, I want to have a longer hand. uh, uh, We focus a lot on the elbow. If you look at the side view of a bowler, the elbow kind of initiates in the downswing. A lot of elite players bend the elbow uh, as the ball is in the middle of the downswing and that gets the fingers lower. So really that the biggest idea is having a long elbow, not having a lifting motion. Uh, John Jowdy talked a lot about this in the past about the low and long Uh, release to follow. I use the term release to follow through because it is in three dimensions. And if you start to analyze it in that way, that XYZ concept, people can start to see their release to follow through differently. And you can have some movements that are actually good, but connected uh, in three dimensions, it's not quite uh, meeting the full energy transfer that you want.
0: Yeah. So where does this, when, when, you hear a lot of league bowlers and and uh, you know guys who are more am- on the amateur level. The release isn't where they want it to be. What's the first thing they should probably do to start to get things back into into shape and get you know get get some of the the points and some of the ideas that you uh, you teach?
1: Well, I, one of the biggest cause and effects that really intrigues people when they first hear it and try it is if you stand straight, you can do this in front of a mirror. Uh, you'll notice that your arms are facing inward uh, like when you walk. So when you rotate your palms forward, you'll notice that there's a lot of tension. And if you bring those back to the kind of the normal anatomical position that you do when you walk, if you then take your head and lean to the outside and then rotate your palm forward again, you realize that now it's easier to do it. So by actually leaning to the outside, you will create less tension in your hand. And when people do this, they're very surprised. So to me, it's actually body position and the movement of your upper body can contribute greatly to your release position because if you're more relaxed, you're able to create your forearm being forward. Uh, more easily. But then you're also be able to manipulate more with your hand because your hand is actually relaxed. So leaning to the outside, believe it or not, is one of the most important things to create a great release.
0: Let's let's kind of dive a little bit deeper into that when you say leaning to the side, leaning, you know, that's, you know, the drop your damn shoulder is where that comes from, correct? And can you explain kind of that concept and, and what that does then for your body and how everything kind of falls into place?
1: Yeah, you see, actually, it all all begins in the setup. Uh, What I teach and actually a number of elite coaches teach being more open in the setup and leaning to the outside so your head is outside of your body. One is that reduces the amount of side movement that your head's going to uh, progress through in the full approach, but it will also contribute to that relaxed hand position that I was mentioning. On the downswing, we do want the shoulder to move in tandem, in unison with the downswing. So that keeps your head to the outside of your body and prevents the opposite side shoulder from taking over and rotating you offline. So it's a combination of in the setup, leaning to the outside and being open. You can be open by your ball side foot being at about a 30 degree angle and being slightly back. That will naturally rotate your hips and then your trunk will follow it, which pushes your non-bowling shoulder ahead. And then by leaning to the outside, it puts you, it creates swing slot space. It will reduce your tension in your hand. And it also contributes actually to crossing over. When you lean to the outside, you actually will cross over in the approach more naturally, which contributes a lot to creating more space.
0: And, Joe, what should be happening to your non-bowling hand?
1: Like all sports that have throwing motion, my belief is that we want to use the trunk to generate energy production in the downswing. So what I like to teach is uh, aligning the left shoulder with the back shoulder for a right-handed bowler. So actually moving the arm outside the body you see this a lot in, in many sports, uh, so something like Missy Parkin does or Michael Fagan, Tom Smallwood, you'll notice that their shoulders are aligned at the top of the swing. And then they have a back shoulder rotation down and under the front shoulder, much like you see with somebody uh, in hockey with a slap shot or a tennis player with an overhand. The shoulder rotates under the front shoulder, and that creates a lot more energy production into the ball.
0: Again, Joe Sawinski joining us on the Above180.com podcast. So, Joe, how do our legs play an important role in our release and keeping our feet on the correct path help with that proper release?
1: Well, certainly the cause and effect sequence in the physical game, a lot of it has to do with having a good grip so that you're not having added tension with a thumb so that you can swing the ball properly. Uh, if if you're having tension uh, with the grip, a lot of times people will have slower feet, so they're not producing good energy with the feet. Because at the top of the swing, you have the foot speed that has been generated, you have the height of the swing, and you have the trunk rotation. All of these are together at the top of the swing with creating from there we want it to become efficient to the bottom so that we're not losing energy slow feet are a bad thing because they don't add they don't add energy to the system they're actually taking away and creating tension so good swing start direction good swing start timing not moving the elbow far past the body will generate a quicker tempo normally and that's one of those things that will add energy to the system that we would transfer from the hand to the bowling ball at the end.
0: Joe, what are your thoughts on folks wearing the wrist supports? A lot of companies making those these days as, as guides and training tools and helping tools. What are your thoughts on those?
1: I believe very strongly that wrist supports are detrimental to the natural evolution and development we would see in other sports for somebody doing it. For example, if you have a good fit and a proper weighted bowling ball over the course of your development as a player, your forearm muscles will develop naturally. And that, that natural adaptation process will protect your wrist and allow you to create wrist flexion that is needed into the release. A wrist support either – now, I'm not, I'm not talking about something that is used to protect the wrist. I'm talking about a device that keeps the wrist in a static position. The bowler can no longer develop the natural development, the muscle development that it would be necessary uh, for the body to adapt to bowling. So for me, I, I am opposed to wrist supports unless it is to help with an injury.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about what can someone do to get started here? Are you a fan of the foul line drills? Uh, what sort of drills can someone do either on the lanes and off the lanes? Because I know in past I've, I've chatted with a lot of coaches, and there's a lot of things that we can do that we don't have to go to a bowling center to do. We can do them right in the comfort of our own home.
1: Right. If you take the idea of a foul line drill, uh, certainly uh, doing a good foul line drill where your head is outside of your body, and the ball is inside of your elbow to create a nice line to the inside. You can develop wrist flexion, which is basically how we've used the, the, the term cupping in the past. With, you can create a foul line position where you do a small forward and back. Think 18 inches forward, 18 inches back with a long elbow. And to cre- work with cr- maintaining the flexion until the point of about the heel to ankle. That's something you could put up some pillows at home where you're not really moving. There are several tools that you can purchase to do the same thing. You can even use a, you, you see this with sugar and coffee where they have sort of an indented handle to carry it. Those can also be, if you put some weight in those, you can also develop that movement there. Uh, certainly anything where you're going to, practice sliding. Uh, You can try some material from uh, a place like Home Depot to get something you can put in your garage or your basement where you have a little bit of slide and do, for example, a swing and slide, but make sure that you create something where the ball can be thrown and rolled and protect the wall or the floor in a way that's not going to do damage.
0: Joe, it seems like a lot of amateur bowlers, this is one of the things, in my opinion, that separates the amateurs and even just your, your one-night one league bowlers from the true professionals and the elite of the elite in our sport is the fact that the amateurs and the, 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 um, the non-professionals feel like they have to put all this effort and they really have to try to do something where when you watch most of the, the guys out on tour, it's effortless. It looks like they're doing nothing when you watch them bowl, but yet they're the ones getting the, the ultimate rev rate on the piece of equipment.
1: Well, I think one of the, the number one things we've used the word flat spot for a long time. And if you watch most elite players, they have that long elbow extension where they're not trying to, including everything from when they engage the swing, how they swing the ball. They're not trying to do more. We often use less is more because of the efficiency of movement, but especially at the end. If a bowler can extend their elbow in a long fashion, moving it past the knee, that will create so much more energy to the bowling ball that the rev rate will go up and speed will go up. And we see that with elite players is they all have a long extension. And they make it look easy because I I like to use the term biomechanically efficient. I don't like terms like stroker, cranker, tweener. I really look at it as levels of biomechanical efficiency. The guys that have high speeds and high revs often, like you said, are significantly more fluid. They're not wasting movement in the approach. And also, they can throw it fast, but it's a smooth acceleration. Uh, Most amateurs, like you were referring to, tend to want to muscle and create tension which then leads to a reduction of energy transfer from them to the bowling ball. It's like anything else. We want to maximize energy production and maximize energy transfer from the bowler to the bowling ball. That is how you create a high speed and high rev rate and how people today are doing things that are truly unbelievable in regard to speed and rev rate numbers.
0: Yeah, Joe. Speaking of that, are there are there any tips you have for people to maybe uh, check out online, whether that's YouTube, maybe watch some videos on this, or someone who's a le- you know release? We should you know we can help kind of visualize what you're saying and what you've been saying here, which has been very interesting and um, and very informative.
1: Well, I've tried to put on bowling knowledge. I've tried to place some videos showing and illustrating the hand position into the release, and also the type of drills that will allow you to develop a good body position and also to develop a good release to follow through movement. Uh, if you look at most elite professional players, you're going to see their body position in, in a way that I discuss, and also their hand position into the release. And then that long elbow extension. That's for example, I think one of the guys that gets a lot of grief that shouldn't is Stuart Williams. He has a long elbow extension. He just doesn't have a vertical motion like other bowlers have. He's a good example of somebody who has that long elbow uh, and just doesn't move it vertically. And he has received a lot of negative comments that his follow through is short. I would argue that his elbow is long, and that's one of the reasons he's been so successful on tour. And he's an elite player for a reason. There are many things that happen after the long extension, but he's a good example of somebody. If you're having trouble with that long horizontal movement to try to emulate him the same with Tom Smallwood, they have a long elbow. Michael Fagan has a long elbow. You can see them. Uh, there's a great video of a side view of Wes Malott that shows that the elbow actually starts the release sequence. There's a video on YouTube. And I believe it's, uh, posted from a Japanese uh, user, and it shows you can see the elbow start forward first before the hand does anything, and how important that sequence is.
0: Great. Now all the stuff you're talking about here, if we're just looking to improve and, and you know get some add some extra rev to our to our game if we're maybe a little bit more rev challenge where do you begin though when it comes to this is it working on this stuff is it working on the drills or is it just something through through practice we're going to figure out and boom eventually you know we're just going to all of a sudden our elbow is going to be long you know be longer or or realistically how should someone begin because the last thing you want is maybe someone to get frustrated when they hear this and then they go out and try it and they're struggling you know to put the concept into motion
1: i strongly suggest starting with a an, at least a silver-level certified coach, uh, gold-level preferably, because they can help you look at kind of your where you're at physically, what your limitations are, what you can do to start, uh, how many hours a week are you going to practice. There's so many factors and variables that are associated with improving as a player. So starting with a coach that is very knowledgeable, is a way that can kind of guide you around what what you want out of getting better, how much time you're able to put into it, and also your long term and short term goals. That's what I would say is the first place because many there are many things online that are actually uh, they're suggesting the opposite of what I'm suggesting here, and I think in many ways it will set people back. But when you have somebody who's knowledgeable and can guide you, that investment is going to pay off handsomely in the the long run because they can set up not only evaluate you where you're at and kind of work within what you want to invest in time-wise and what your goals are, but they can also give you a training plan that's specific to your goals and your investment time. Uh, The number one thing – person can do that will maybe lead to a lack of improvement is trying to do things on their own unguided without feedback because it does take time and patience and it takes thousands of repetition to just start evolving. I mean, I work with players, they're working 20 hours a week and it takes time to evolve in that capacity. So you could imagine somebody maybe not even practicing once a week, you need a you need a coach to help guide you.
0: Yeah, and it, it's one of those things, and I've talked to many players throughout the year, and then you hear them, and they, it seems to me like they'll say to me, and it's kind of, it, once you get it, you get it. You don't have to, like, I don't have to work on hooking the ball. I know how to hook the ball. It's my mental game, or it's this, or it's that. Is that kind of the same sort of mindset that you would have?
1: I'm actually I don't believe that to be true, because if you don't work on your physical game, even at an elite level, I believe there are you're prone to setbacks and inconsistencies because all it takes is a small variation in the rotation of your upper body. One of the things that I always look for in analysis of bowlers is I want to see where the release to follow through direction is going. For example, we see people even at the at the elite world class level. There are things that are that are going on that can be improved. If your forearm is not going under your head in the direction of your break point, that is a vector, like we've learned in physics. It's magnitude and direction. If that forearm is not following the path, that's an inefficiency and can lead to a, a loss in rev rate or ball speed, a loss in repetition, which could An elite player needs to have all little things improved because everybody's so good. So I believe strongly that everybody should be working on their physical game also. Uh, It's in order to be your best, you need to keep working on your game.
0: Very interesting stuff. Again, uh, Joe Slowinski, want to thank you for joining us. Uh, very informative. Thought this would be a great way to help bowlers getting, you know, probably about a month or six weeks into their league play. If you're frustrating, uh, you know, getting frustrated a little bit maybe. Uh, and, and a lot of times it is with our rev rate. It's what we're trying to improve on and, and, uh, and trying to help people there. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. Hey, Joe, where should folks go if they want to find out more about you or, uh, or check out any of these articles that you've put together?
1: Uh, Most of the work that I've done in the past, including the article, Reconceptualization of an Elite Release, go to bowlingknowledge.info. There's a lot of free material there to help bowlers get better. Uh, The Bowling Knowledge YouTube page also has videos of drills, all designed to help people. Uh, Those are the two starting points that will help you. But I would really strongly recommend reading the article, Reconceptualization of an an Elite Release. That will help kind of – Clarify the things that I discussed with you today.
0: Yes, please check out these two articles we've been talking about. It's again if you go to bowlingthismonth.com, it's all right there. Lots of other great stuff there as well. You got bowling ball reviews, you got another tip section, got all sorts of stuff archived. You can check out all the latest and greatest stuff. Again, bowlingthismonth.com. Check them out online. It's a great web resource, a great place for bowlers to improve their game. Again, bowlingthismonth.com. And Joe, thank you for joining us. Very insightful and all the best.